As metal spread from burnt-out kids to mainstream football rallies and keg parties, upper-class parents got nervous. In 1985, the Parents Music Resource Center was formed, led by Tipper Gore, wife of then-Senator Al Gore. The Parents Music Resource Center is a nonprofit educational organization that exists to raise awareness about graphic content and some of the entertainment. In September of 1985, the PMRC received a Senate hearing to discuss explicit content in music. Artists like Prince and Madonna were targeted, but the focus of the hearing was heavy metal. Um, I think it was just a combination of the fierceness of the music, the look of the bands, some of the things that early bands doubled, and I think that that's because there's still this puritanical streak that runs in this country. During the hearings, heavy metal was denounced as the cause of sexual perversion, Satanism, and suicide. Ozzy Osbourne sings Suicide Solution. Blue Oyster Cult sings Don't Fear the Reaper. ACDC sings Shoot to Thrill. Just last week, in Centerpoint, a small Texas town, a young man took his life while listening to the music of ACDC. The hearings resulted in voluntary labeling of albums deemed explicit, but the condemnation of heavy metal by the PMRC only enhanced the music's rebellious image. I don't care what they say. I don't care if they put stickers on all my records. They can blank them out all together if they want. They can burn me at the stake if they want for being a bloody witch. They won't stop me. I'll come back and own them. by the good people at the Podbelly Network. My fellow Americans, we are fortunate to be alive. They need them to protect us from the number one killer in history. Protect us from the century of diversity. A study on the wide field. Everybody, welcome to episode 196 of our Jacob Do American podcast. I am your host in the place to be, Mr. Jacob Pete, and sitting right across from me is the Brown Recluse, Mr. Art Trail. Art, say hello to the millions. The millions. What the fuck is going on, America? My name is Art. You are listening to the Art and Jacob Do America podcast. Guys, we can't do this shit without some help from our friends. From our friends at Caveman Coffee, guys, go to cavemancoffee.com. Check out the entire inventory of Caveman Coffee. Guys, they got coffee beans. They got the hibiscus tea. The hibiscus tea, it's long overdue for me. I haven't had it in a while. I fucking need that shit. My voice is going out, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, shit, I need some our, of that hibiscus our tea. Our last episode was like a fucking hour and a half of like good conversation. So if you guys are not part of the Patreon, get on that. But anyways, Caveman Coffee, guys, check it all out. At checkout, if you type in America, you receive 15% off. That 15% off goes to your entire order. So once you receive that order, take a picture of yourself drinking the coffee, wearing the shirt, wearing the hat, whatever it may be, 
and uh, tag yourself, tag them, tag us, and we will appreciate that. And speaking of sponsors, guys, make sure you check out our other sponsor, guys, the great, the powerful, the flavorful. El Yucateco Hot Sauce. Guys, the kings of flavor since 1968. That is 50 plus years of flavor town, guys. So you will not find a better hot sauce on the shelves. I guarantee it. But just in case you can't find El Yucateco on your local shelf, because it could, I mean, literally, this, this stuff is literally sold wherever food is sold. But I live yeah. in the, the great state of California where, you know, Mexican food is just abundant. Like it's, it's in the surplus or whatever, right? This one's the easiest one to find. Oh, yeah. You can it's find Triple X wherever. And I put Triple X on here for a very specific reason for today's topic. But in case you cannot find El Yucateco wherever you find food at, say you're living in a weird part of the uh, part of the world. Let's say you're living in, you know, Nova Scotia or fucking Nicaragua. They might have it in Nicaragua. Oh, yeah, true. They might not have it in freaking Mongolia. True. But just in case you're, like, from there and you can't find El Yucateco, guys, go to shopelyucateco.com, enter promo code DOAMERICA, and we'll both give you 10% off your entire purchase. So you can buy any flavor that they have in there. You can get the black, you can get the red, the green, the jalapeno, the chipotle, the Caribbean, or what's in front of me right here, the triple X, as well as any kind of, you know, accoutrement that you might want to get from El Yucateco. Uh, they have shirts, they have beanies, they have hats. They got anything you can want. Slap an El Yucateco logo on, but they have that there at shopelyucateco.com. But with that said, we're not here just to specifically talk about coffee and hot sauce. We're here to talk today about some music. Our, uh, what are we talking about this day? We're talking about censorship. We're talking about the PMRC, a um, time period in America where uh, the the highest courts <laughs> in America were flooded by rock stars and musicians and all kinds of wackiness. It was a really, I gotta admit, Jacob, like I, um, you know, this, this, most of the time in the middle of like research time, like I'm always like, this is pretty cool. Like I feel good about this. This time I was like kind of fired up. I was like, man, this is fun. Like this is it's a great topic, yeah, right? It is a great topic. I was like, man, this is, I wish I was like literally like on my lunch, like doing some research and I was like, damn, I want to record this shit right now. Like I was all fired <laughs> up, man. Like, it's I know good stuff. I know. Art, you hardly ever text me, and when you do text me, it's like usually when you're jazzed up about something. So I was surprised to get that text from you today. You're like, "This is a good topic." But guys, the PMRC for anybody that doesn't know, um, it it stands for. It, let me pull it up right here. It is the Parents Music Resource Center, and the way this that got started is, is basically in 1984 ish. I want to say, uh, Tipper Gore, wife of then Senator. Al Gore, who would go on to be vice president of the United States for eight years in the 90s, uh, she walked into, well, I guess the story changes, you know, depending on, I heard you know, they were listening to it together. Yeah. Yeah. It changes like what day of the week, I guess, Tipper, whatever, you know, podcast the day is like covering this or whatever. Right. So one version of the story is, is that, you know, they were listening to Prince's Purple Rain t-shirt I'm wearing right now today um, together. And, you know, about four tracks in, there's a song called uh, Darling Nikki where, you know, Prince says explicitly, I knew a girl named Nikki. I guess you could say she was a sex fiend. I met her in a hotel lobby masturbating with, with a magazine. magazine. And it sent Tipper Gore's Karen ass into a frenzy. She was fucking pissed off about it. Uh, so her and a couple other DC wives um, we got here. We got Susan Baker, who was the wife to James Baker, the United States uh, Treasury Secretary. Uh, Pam Howar, uh, who was the wife of Raymond Howar, a D.C. realtor, as well as Sally Navias, 
who was wife to John Navias, uh, who was a Washington City councilman. So they called they, they were called the PMRC, but they got the nickname for the Washington Wives. So they they kind of formed like this like super Karen group of like moms who were really pissed off about you know music. Uh, that was going on in the 80s at this time. Um, they, they were referring to as porn rock. I believe uh, Susan Baker, uh, her daughter, her 11-year-old daughter came up to her and was like, Mommy, what's a virgin? Like after listening to uh, Madonna's Like a Virgin. And um, this is pretty much very much in the same time period that like that whole satanic panic was going on. Yeah, so- man. The 80s were a really weird time. Like I was born in 86, so... To, to me, my, like, first memories of, like, music and life probably don't really start till like, 89 or 90. So it's mm-hmm. not like I really remember the 80s. Like, most of my childhood is, like, 90s on. Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't remember this time period, but it seems like the 80s were, like, kind of a shitty time. <laughs> yeah. And it was a more conservative time. Like, this is, like, Reagan-era, like, politics yeah. or whatever. And Tipper Gore, again, the wife of Al Gore, who was, you know, the Democratic, you know, vice president or whatever. Susan Baker, she is, like, uh, she's a a wife to a very Republican um, secretary treasury. So it was a, a time period where it's like, yeah, Democrats and Republicans, they were both both pretty conservative at this time. You know, you didn't have, like, the, the Bernie Sanders, you know, out there and whatnot. Like, you had, like, they were like, somewhat on the same page. You know, they differed on, you know, tax policies, but when it came to, like, morals and hmm. family values, like, they were very much against, like, um, the explicit content of music at that time, which it- you... I, I, I gotta say, like, you go and buy a Prince album, like, you're gonna get some sex. You know, you buy a Motley Crue album, yeah, you're gonna get, like, some, you know, drug references and violence and shit. It's funny to me that, um, you know, that was the whole Ronald Reagan era, and this is post-Ronald Reagan, right? This is No, Bush. this is the myths of, like, okay. 85 or 84 going into 85. Like, this is, like, the meat of the Reagan era. Okay. So I I thought that that was kind of reflecting to, like, where we are now, where it's, like, like the president is super Republican. He's, like, this actor, like, very much like how we had Trump, who was also an actor, like, (laughs) turned celebrity, turned, like, like whatever, like, whatever president. Reality TV host or whatever. Yeah, like, now he's the president and like everyone adopts these like super like fake patriotic like bullshit patriotic like things and it almost felt like that was what was going on during that time period like mm-hmm. there's like christian revival like we're gonna save christmas you can't cancel christmas kind of vibe <laughs> like it seemed to like that whole thing was like happening then it's happening now i always i always feel like even the liberal people then like had to like meet half ways with with like the conservative people because they were just such a strong force that like it's like, oh yeah, we're against masturbation. We're against the devil too. It almost feels like that's where we are right now with like like liberals right now, where it's like, yeah, Bernie Sanders is there and like OAC's there, but like the big like talking points are like very close to like, let's just make sure our conservative friends are happy too. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. But this was like a time period like where like, you know, there was this like battle, it seemed like, like for family values versus like to me, like I always call the eighties like the second wave of the counterculture mm-hmm. where like you like you know, this is again like the advent of like the MTV era where it's just like you're seeing images of like what was, you know, before like might have been like a record like at the bottom of the pile, but now you know like there's other avenues to get your music out there. 
MTV. You're not just relying on the radio. So you have more ways to, you know, show your art. You know, uh, Motley Crue, they blew up during this time period. You know, they had very much in this time period, I believe, like Shout at the Devil was a huge album where it had a lot of, um, you know, satanic, you know, imagery and whatnot. Nikki Six at this time, you know, we just did an episode about, you know, the Night Stalker. During this time, like Satanism was like a cool taboo thing. And when you really look at it, it was kind of um, a way to shock, you know, parents, like the whole Satan to Satanism thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, there's people like Richard Ramirez who like legitimately took, you know, took it seriously or whatnot and killed, you know, because Satan told him to. But that was like one percent, you know, of like, you know, the bigger picture was just like you had like political forces and, you know, you know, influential forces that were just like telling you like, Hey, this is, this is the family structure, you know, the mom and and the dad and the dad goes and works for 40 hours or 50 hours a week. And then mom has to, you know, you know, hold the family together and make sure the house is clean, make sure there's dinner on the table. uh, It was the Simpsons lifestyle. Well, even more, it was like Ozzy and Harriet or like family ties or whatever, like those like bullshit fucking, you know, TV shows and whatnot. But it was very much like, I feel like art is always a reflection of like, you know, what's going on in society where it's just like, you know, the Hollywood makeup was just like, this is what a family should be. And very much at this time, family wasn't really like this. I think that 70s show kind of like paints a perfect picture where it's like dad is like this former like Korean veteran, you know, or uh, Vietnam veteran, if you will. He's probably suffering from some PTSD. He's always angry. He's always upset. He's mentally probably abusing his wife and like his kids or whatever. So the kids are pissed off. You know, mom's stressed out, you know, because she's trying to make dad happy. She's trying to make sure dinner's on the table at a certain time. But at the same time, you know, she's trying to, you know, hold the house down, keep the kids happy and shit. So it's like you got like the this like these opposing forces where it's just like the what's supposed to be like, you know, the family structure mm-hmm. and what the family structure really is. And what you really get is it's like kids feeling like alienated from their parents and so you get artists like your Motley Crue's, you get artists like Madonna's, you get artists like Prince, who, when you look at like your, their autobiographies, like, you know, The Dirt, you know, by Motley Crue, one of, probably one of the best books you can read or whatever, right? Especially like Nikki Six's parts, comes from like a very broken home that was supposed to be, you know, the, the atomic family. Madonna, same thing, like, you know, uh, you know, Bad Family Prince, even, you know, in the movie Purple Rain, it's pretty much a biographical account of, like, the way he grew up. So you see, like, you know, that, like, these artists that come from these, like, very fractured American families, and they're putting out, you know, this work that is just, like, a reflection of what society really is. You know, you, you get Prince, who is a very sexual artist. Madonna, again, a very sexual artist or whatever, because they grew up in an era where, like, you know, sex was just not talked about in the house to a point where it's just like, hey, when you learn about sex, it's just going to explode. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's kind of where we've, I don't know. I mean, I I've, I like 80s music, but I never, I always thought it was like a little bit corny, especially like the metal side of like 80s rock was like pretty corny. Like it's, it's Ozzy's like weakest time period. Like, you <laughs> know, like it's everyone has like the big hair and like, uh-huh kind of all look the same like they're all gender neutral like everyone kind of like could be wearing women's clothes or men's clothes you don't really know and it's because they were trying to one of the um teachers i had when i was going to school he says you saw that in you know in music videos and uh you know 
you know, magazines and whatnot or album covers because it was very much like trying to get the attention of like that dad, like that Korean War veteran dad, that Vietnam veteran yeah, dad yeah. or whatever, where it's just like, you know, dad, again, like I said, like this is just my assumption, dad's probably suffering from some, you know, undiagnosed PTSD. He's like retiring away, like, you know, totally avoiding his family. Mom's like, you know, silently breaking down like in the kitchen, walking, washing her dishes. And they're, everybody's lashing out at each other. So that's why you had like, you know, people you know, you know, in rock bands and, you know, pop groups or whatever, you know, dressing and doing the things that they were doing because they were trying to shock their parents for some kind of attention. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get that. Um, it's just to me, to me, I, I do think that like purple rain is like amazing. Like, Oh, it's my favorite album of all time. Yeah, I, I love purple rain. Um, so much good stuff was happening around this time period. Like so many great albums were happening. I just think for the most part, like, cause some of the, like, some of the when like the filthy 15 come up or whatever like yeah. um what's the what's that one album that has like the dude has like a, a buzz saw through his oh, dick wasp wasp like stuff like that to me was like really popular during that time period and like shock yeah i just i i just thought it was so like fucking cheesy like if i was growing up i was thinking about this today i was like dude if i was growing up in the 80s i would probably be into like like that underground like hip-hop where it still sounds like 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 that kind of thing or like craft work like some like really like depeche mode type of thing like i could not get into like wasp and things like that where it's just like the big hair and like that whole thing i was like dude this is fucking corny like i i could not get into it like the best thing that happened like to metal in the 80s was like when metallica was coming out of the underground and mm-hmm. like changed it because they were i mean they had big hair but they weren't like fucking corny like they lyrics- just look like your dude that worked at 7-eleven yeah like their lyrics weren't fucking dungeons and dragons based and all this bullshit <laughs> like it didn't feel corny like it, it was it, real yeah it felt real like those especially those first four albums but but like yeah i mean this group gets organized right like mm-hmm. they're upset at their kids listening to like fucking masturbating with the magazine and like like that was that was really the big one for Tipper Gore. Yeah. And also like Like a Virgin and then Sugar Walls is another one that was yeah. just like a big one. By the way, that Sugar Walls one is like if that shit came out today, like it would be like the most like nothing, like no one would bat an eye kind of thing. I mean it's it's like it's not even on the same level as like Cardi B and Megan like Thee Stallion's WAP. WAP. Yeah. yeah. Like Dude, and that's what I mean. I think it's funny when people got upset at like WAP because it's like, dude, we've already been through this shit. Like, we've been through yeah. this shit. Like, and I feel like we've been through this shit like in the 50s with like fucking Elvis the pelvis or whatever. Yeah. I've always felt, I always feel like, you know, older generations are always mad at like younger generations just because I, I feel like it's like they, they can feel like their youth dying. So they lash out at like whatever's popular now when it's just like, you know, you were fucking doing, you know, you were listening to some fucking sexually you know perverse you thing. You were masturbating with the magazine. You know, you were doing that <laughs> shit. But like, I, kind of like a story, like, um, me and my friend at the time, uh, Blake, we all went to like this uh, Judas Priest concert. I th- did you came with us, right? Yeah, yeah, I went to that. Yeah, it was like Motorhead, Judas Priest, or whatever. And his mom was like petrified because we used to call him Baby Blake. You know, it was his first concert. Like, oh my God, make sure he doesn't, you know, smoke any weed. Or if anyone offers him beer, make sure he, you know, turns it down. I was like, yeah, we're not going to do that. We're just there to see some classic metal. She goes, I remember back in the 80s, I used to, like, you know, listen to those bands. And oh my God, I'm surprised I don't, Blake doesn't have an older brother now for some of the stuff. Like, she was like telling us all this stuff. And I was like, oh, wait, so you lived it. And now you're throwing your guilt about that onto him. And like, to me, like, that's what, like, the whole Tipper Gore 
in the PMRC was. It was just like, oh, you you had your time where you you know you they probably you know not the slush I mean, they probably hold it up or whatever. They probably smoked some some weed. Yeah. They watched Rebel Without a Cause or whatever and shit, and they were fucking lashing out. And like now that you know Prince is talking about you know a fucking you know darling Nikki, you have a problem with it. Like that to me, like that's that's kind of weird to me. Yeah, it, it is weird to me. Like same like. Everyone thinks that their kids aren't going to be like mature enough to to listen to these things, and the reality is like they're not like they're not like no one is no one's ready for that shit. Mm-hmm. But like you have to like put them in the best position to like be ready for that shit. I think you know once we get into the trial, I think that um, uh, Frank Zappa has like this. I don't know if it's during the trial or during that like like date night or not date night dateline dateline like a thing where like they have like the two talking heads and they're arguing or whatever and i guess they like edited out all of like frank zappa's like oh yeah i saw that part of it and like (laughs) i like he talks about how like um it is important to like talk to your kids about sex and like Mm -hmm. for them to be like sexually mature the reality is like no one's sexually like mature like you know, it takes a while. Like it takes, it's not, it's like going to work for the first time, like, or doing anything, like driving a car for the first time. You're probably going to suck. You're probably going to dent your car. You're probably going to like fuck up a few times. Like that is the part of like growing up, but you just have to teach your kids as best as you can to like keep an eye on the road kind of thing. Like, you know, you're going to probably listen to Slayer while you're driving, but keep an eye on the road. And that's my point too. It's just like, you know, you went through that as a child, like where, you know, Again, like the 50s, very sexually oppressed period of time or whatever, right? And it goes all the way back to like, you know, Greece, ancient Greece or whatever. Like we've, like you said with WAP, like we've been through this like for hundreds of years, you know, where it's just like a ge- like generations, you know, suppress this stuff. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, they're surprised like when, you know, generations down the line, they've got, they're fucking making music called Shout at the Devil and Darling Nikki and shit like that. So like we've been through this before, like ages and eons and shit ago. Yeah. But like the the point that even like you know John Denver and D. Snyder like during that Senate hearing, they keep saying it's like it's not my job to educate your children; it's your job to educate your children and kind of guide them through that, that the guide guide them through life and art yeah. as well. So yeah, I mean we get to that Senate hearing, and um, you mentioned D. Snyder, John Denver, and Frank Zappa are the three guys that come up there to represent like rock music and censorship and the whole argument between the two. And, uh, D Schneider has this whole, uh, the song that was under, under, under the blade, uh, under the blade was like under a microscope during that, that time period, during that hearing. And, you know, it was written for his guitar player. who was about to go through throat surgery, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And, um, he basically wrote it for him and it's, it's a very like over the top, you know, the anxiety of going through something like that where you don't know. And he does talk about, like, have your hands tied behind your back and, like, all this stuff. And it sounds very bondish. And he he does make a point of saying, like, uh, if you're looking for bondage and, like, looking for, like... Rape and bondage or yeah, whatever. You're going to find it. You're, you're going to you're gonna find it in, in, in the music if that's what you're looking for. The reality is it's not there. It's about, like, the fear of going under the blade and having surgery. Because even Al Gore, like, like when he starts cross-examining him, he's just like, he goes, doesn't the lyrics say this, that, like, 
You know, you've got uh, 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 your hands tied behind your back. You get strapped down there. Uh, what, what, what surgery have you ever been through where that happens? And he's just like, well, I had never been through that, but I was, I was relating in that song for my guitar player who was having extreme anxiety about having, you know, surgery. And it's like, I can picture myself like, yeah, you're right. Like the, the way he put it, it was just like, yeah, if I had never like went through open heart surgery and I'm, you know, having this anxiety about it, like, yeah, like, <laughs> Yeah, like being strapped down, like, oh, shit, what if the anesthesia, like, you know, wears off and I'm, like, strapped <laughs> down, like, with my fucking chest open and whatnot, like, and for, like, heavy metal at this time, it was very cartoonish, and D. Snyder, like, made it a point to say, like, hey, like, believe it or not, like, I'm a Christian, like, I don't smoke, I don't drink, but, like, I do like these things, you know, I, it's like watching a horror movie or whatever, like, he goes, that's what heavy metal is for me, it's like going to a good horror movie, yeah. like, you know, Boris Kor- Karloff, like, he's not the devil because he played, like, Frankenstein or whatever, right? Like, he made it a point to, like, say this stuff. He goes, I love ACDC, and they talk a lot about, like, hell and damnation, but I'm not for that, but I dig the music or whatever, right? And he goes, I, you know, like, he goes, me and Twisted Sister, like, we make it a point, like, yeah, we don't cross any lines. You know, I make sure everything's, like, aligning with, like, my values or whatever, but it's all cartoons. He goes, if you look at our video for We're Not Gonna Take It, which ends up, which is one of the- the other ones that pops up. He goes, like, where they say, like, it's a violence or whatever, and he goes- that literally, like, I'll be perfectly honest with you, like, you know, swear under oath, we literally ripped off, like, Wiley Coyote and Roadrunner cartoons. Like, literally, like, the antagonist, like, in our video, like, it's literally Wiley Coyote and Roadrunner. Like, nobody dies, like, nobody fucking, there's no blood and guts or anything like that. It's very cartoony. Like, we ripped off Saturday morning cartoons. How are you going to be against us and call us, you know, vi- you know, label us with violence and, you know, you know, sadomasochism or whatever, but like on the same end, like on Saturday morning, like the same shit is being shown. You to know, kids. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that that, that Senate hearing, he, he says that whole thing of, if you're looking for sadomasochism, then you're, then Tipper Gore found it. And mm-hmm. like, you know, he's saying that to Al Gore. His, His her husband. Yeah. Like, so like, it's just, you know, it really took Al Gore over the edge and like, a, you know, the whole cross-examination part of it, goes really hard against D. Snyder. Like, he mm. goes the hardest against him. He kind of brought it on himself, though, a little bit, because, like, you know, even, like, with Frank Zappa, he goes in, like, with a suit and tie. He's there with his attorney. Oh, yeah, 100% agree. He shows up with fucking, like, denim and, like, his ripped-up shirt and all this stuff. Yeah, and, his like, hair's, like, extra poofy and shit like that. And he, like... He brings his homie with, like, also, like, looks like he just fucking got off a Harley to get there. <laughs> yeah, and, like, he, 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 like, brings out his, like, little speech, like, in, like, a little... In his back pocket. And he, like, folds it out, like, and shit. And it's all like eloquently written. Like it's actually like super well written. Yeah, I was very surprised. And like he made it a point to, which I think was kind of genius on on his end because it's just like it, it went along with like their arguments, which is like on the surface you're seeing me, you're seeing someone that's just a threat or whatever. But believe it or not, I'm a very devout Roman Catholic person. He goes, me and my wife been going together since we were fucking in high school. He goes, I'm 30 now. You know, like we have we have children. And he goes, you're right. Like, cause I think there's two, like there's a theme of misinterpretation on both sides. And he says, he goes, there's a lot of stuff that you guys presented today that I would absolutely not let my children, you know, watch or listen to, you know, like there's, you know, to reference another song, like on the, um, you know, the filthy 15 list that the PMRC had, uh, merciful faith, um, into the coven. Like they're literally talking about satanic practices. He goes, me as a Roman Catholic, I don't want my kids listening to that. 
But if they start listening to it, I, me as a parent, my job is going to be able to like, you know, sit there and read the lyrics and like talk about it with my children. That's the fucking the um, the responsible thing to do. And Al Gore kind of pushes back and was just like, do you literally think it's fair for a parent to sit there and read the lyrics and listen to the music for every album that your children buys? And he goes, he goes, being a parent isn't a fair thing, you know, to begin with. He goes, but, you know, that's not the point. The point is, is that, you know, that's, you know, if this is going to be out there in the world, it's my job as a parent to guide them through that path. Yeah. I mean, I think that the whole thing is like preparing your kids for the real world. And your kids are probably going to stumble along the way. Mm-hmm. They're going to probably smoke weed. But even if they smoke weed, then it's like just prepare them to make wise decisions. Like maybe don't drive and smoke weed. Maybe just smoke weed in the backyard. <laughs> or like whatever it may be. Like, I mean, that's the reality of life. Even as adults, like millions of people are going to get fucking shit face drunk this weekend because it's Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah. That's what we're recording on Friday. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> oh, we forgot to go to Facebook Live. But, oh, oh well. whatever. But, anyways, um, like it i mean we expect these adults to be responsible this weekend like we we don't expect them to drink and drive like mm-hmm. like there there is a like the social contract is that you evolve and you grow and you learn from your mistakes that you probably mm-hmm. are going to learn by like listening to like fucking we're not going to take when you were in the 80s and like a kid and now we expect you to be a full on adult but i mean i think that the whole like misinterpreting lyrics is really important. Like John Denver being there and he talks about his song, uh, Rocky mountain high mm-hmm. and how people interpret it as like getting high and like, <laughs> and, like being like on crystal meth or something like that. Like, yeah. And he's like, no, it's about literally going to the Rocky mountains and, and being in love with the beauty of nature and feeling the high. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I mean, that's open for interpretation. Like, the whole thing is, like... And he said that he was like, I am not for censorship in any facet, either in this country or anywhere else in the world, just because of that, because it lends itself to misinterpretation. He goes... And, and John Denver, like, everybody thought that, like, he was going to be, on, you know, like, all for, you know, censorship, because he's a very, you know, conservative dude. He's the clean-cut white guy. Yeah, exactly. And what I thought was cool about John Denver, he was like, hey, do you mind if I, like, jump, like, get out of this real quick? Because I got another Senate hearing with NASA, like, in 15 <laughs> minutes. Like, I thought that was pretty badass, too. Oh, I didn't even see that. That is cool. Yeah, when you watch the whole Senate hearing, like, the PMRC, like, Senate hearing, like, John Denver, like, Frank Zappa's, like, fucking 30, 40 minutes long. Fucking D. Snyder's is, like, 50 minutes long or whatever. John Denver's is, like, seven minutes. He's like, uh, Mr. Gore, uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you and a privilege, uh, but uh, do you mind if I, I cut out of here real quick? Because I got another Senate meeting with NASA in about five minutes. And they're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> That is funny. I was like, that's badass, dude. He does compare it to, um, like, Nazi Germany, mm-hmm. like, things that Nazi Germany would do. And that, to me, was, like, when I heard him say that, during his speech is like this is some actions that would happen in nazi germany Mm -hmm. and i think that frank zappa like once the whole thing of like let's put a sticker on it and like here are the listings like there's going to be like sexual conduct language the occult it was the occult to me was like fucking hilarious it's like the occult Mm -hmm. like what the hell and he brings up a good point of saying like why not put a j on there for jew like this is too (laughs) jewish let's put a j on there yeah and like to me that is the point where it's like this is a slippery slope and i was it's funny because like i started going down this rabbit hole of of um of like censorship in other countries and Mm -hmm. like once like i went down that whole thing and i was the band that like automatically came to mind was this band called pussy riot Mm -hmm. and like pussy riot was in jail for six months for like things that we take for granted in america i remember this yes And, and like there's a video um 
of pussy like you can just google pussy riot and like in most of their videos like they are being like like literally whipped by by actual like russian police officers to like get them off the streets and like their whole thing of like the color like different color masks has become like a whole movement in russia for like mm-hmm. the lgbtq community over there and like the, the oppression of Vladimir putin and all these things like like it's a very real thing over there like these people are like willing to like get beat in the streets and tossed in jail for their music so i i do think that it's a slippery slope once you start like saying like you can't do that you can't express your sexuality your like religion because we call it a cult here Mm -hmm. like whatever it is if you're not white and christian and like talking about like holding hands and falling in love then it's a devil kind of thing like Mm -hmm. it it is a slippery slope and i think john denver like nailed everything like really quickly and like really well like Hey, before I go to my Senate meeting, I'm gonna nail everything on the, uh, my NASA meeting. I'm gonna go nail everything down here. I was like, "God damn, John Denver! Like you're right about this stuff." Because when you look at it, like the three different personalities, they all kind of hit the nail on the head. Like you know, for artistry or whatever. Because all the the senators or whatever, like they were old fuddy duddies. You could tell, like you know, one of the 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 senators was like, "I've never heard your music before." I'm about, you know, Willie Guthrie or whatever, like some like, you know, backwoods mm-hmm. country or whatever. So you're like, oh, okay, you don't have a high art education or whatever, right? And so, but each one of them, I think, brought something different and it made, it was a perfect analogy for music in general because like, you know, D. Snyder and uh, Frank Zappa made them uncomfortable, but at the end of it, you know, at the end of, you know, both of those, um, their, their cross-examinations, I'm just going to say, they kind of won over the audience because it's like they were absolutely right with what they were saying. Now, I mentioned earlier that, you know, I think there was misinterpretation on both sides where 20-year-old me um, or teenage me would have been like, yeah, I'm totally for, like, the artist or whatever. But, like, me being, like, 35 now and, like, having a baby boy or whatever, I'm I'm probably, like, 90% there with them now because I do think there is – you know, there is some responsibility for the record industry to self-monitor like these things that are out there. If to me, like, I feel like it's, it's silly that, you know, Tibra Gore bought purple rain for her daughter expecting, you know, a Disney album because Prince had had like three or four records before that. One of those records, which I'm sure was like right next to purple rain. He's literally standing there like with a speedo, like with his dick root hanging out and shit. Like, and he literally had like a, a question, possibly a bigger album before that in 1999, where it's like super sexual. There's like a fucking penis like on the cover of it. Yeah. Where yeah. it's like all this other shit. So it was like, you must have seen that before you bought her Purple Rain or known about that because he was all over MTV before Purple Rain or whatever, right? Like he was Eminem, you know, like bef- <laughs> before he drops like the Marshall Mouse of Mathers LP. He had like the real yeah. Slim Shady LP or whatever. Like, so he was already a big star known for sexual stuff. How can you claim ignorance on that? So at the same time, like, I think that, you know, like, like she was stupid by that, by being surprised that there was a reference to masturbation. But at the same time, like they, the artists are saying censorship, censorship, censorship. But at the, the heart of it, going back to the beginnings of the PMRC, they were just asking, like, hey, can we get some labels on this? Like, just, like, some parental guidance. Very similar to what the motion picture industry has, you know, like with their G rating, PG rating, you know, PG-13 rating. What can we expect to see on this record, you know, when we go and buy it? Like, we don't want to be su- taken surprised by it. And to give, you know, see the other side of the coin of it, like, again, I'm, you know, nailing Tipper Gore to the fucking wall here, saying, like, how would you not know Prince is very sexual? 
well, let's just live in a world where, like, let's just take her word for it that, like, hey, she was truly ignorant to Prince at this point, mm-hmm. right? She didn't know. She just sees, like, a very handsome, attractive fucking black man on a purple motorcycle with a really nice-looking, you know, Mexican-Latina, like, on there or whatever, and you have, like, all these flowers and whatnot. It looks like a very, like, lovely, like, G-rated album, whatever, like, Prince Charming's come to take her away or whatever, right? And then she hears that, and this is taken aback. I put that in myself in my position where she's like, there's, there's a thing, like, on YouTube, like they had to make YouTube kids where like they'll be watching like Elmo or Sesame Street or whatever. And then all of a sudden, like the algorithm starts to morph into like all these like these perverted like YouTube videos with cartoon characters where like Elmo's like boning like, you know, you know, Princess Elsa or like they're decapitating each other or whatever or whatever. Like, you know, in that. Right. What What is this? What do you what? Are you- I forget what it's called, but like there's something like where like some perverted people like yeah, on, yeah, on yeah. the Internet. You know, they'd put videos with, like, Elmo in it. Like, they would put, like, you know, uh, weird, uh, you know, words within there that, like, make, like, the algorithm think, like, oh, this is, like, a safe, you gotcha. know, G-rated gotcha. thing. So it's just, like, parents were seeing that, like, you know, children were watching Elmo, like, on their iPhones or whatever, and all of a sudden it, like, goes into, like, Elmo, like, you know, p- pulling out his dick, like, Conor McGregor or whatever, yeah. right? And it's just, like, whoa, like, that's, like, a very shocking thing. And it's super illegal, you know, that's because the FCC, you know, they can control like what's going on, like on public airways or whatever. That's not a violation of constitutional rights. Yeah, you have the right to say whatever you want, but like in the public space, you can't be obscene. And I I do think like trying to see both sides of the coin here, like the PMRC weren't asking that, you know, these these records be, you know, uh, you know, censored, like, you know, hey, we need to bleep out these words. We need to, you know, get these artists off the shelves or anything like that. They just they were just asking for like guidelines, you know, like of like, hey, like, what can we expect? You know, I believe the the ratings were, you know, sex, you know, S for sexual, um, you know, content, um, V for violence, uh, O for occult or yeah. whatever and shit like that. Just so that we know, like what we can expect to get. And um, Frank Zappa, in his testimony, he was saying, he was just like, look, I'm not for that is because you guys have already demonstrated with D. Snyder that you guys are incapable of interpreting these things correctly. And Frank Zappa's um, counter to that is like, how about you just, you know, print out all the lyrics, you know, on the album, you know, just print them in and either put it like in a piece of paper or put it like on the sleeve, which some albums have. And my problem with that was, is just like, again, that still opens it up for misinterpretation. Yeah, you know, it's my my favorite album of all time. It's White Pony. Mm-hmm. They didn't want to put a parental advisory sticker on it just because the band wanted the album cover to just be like that silver thing with the little pony in the corner. Mm-hmm. The way they got around it is they posted the wrong lyrics on the album. So if you buy the album and you're reading through it, there's words on there that don't make sense. <laughs> like, I think the first song, he's the the first line is, Fuck, I'm drunk. Like that that's literally the first line of the album. If you read it on the album thing, it says stop I'm drunk. So it's just like they changed it up for like just so like they wouldn't get like a parental advisory sticker slapped on their album because they didn't mm-hmm. want anything on their album but like the white pony on there. Which I thought was pretty clever. I still like think that that's pretty funny that that's on there. But that is pretty clever. And like that's how they got around it. I feel like any artist could get around that if they just don't want to put their the correct lyrics on there. Um but I mean, I think that this whole thing, and I, I I get it. Like I have a I have a niece and a nephew, and like my niece and nephew like are always like watching their like like uh, YouTube kids or whatever, or, like whatever it may be. Like they watch mm-hmm. like 
there's like some like kid YouTuber that like reviews toys or whatever. I don't know what his name is, but like they're oh, very yeah. much into that. Oh, like they're super into like Lego Batman, the Lego shows and things like that. With all that being said, I do think that like my parent, my parents, my sister and my brother-in-law are like, they're pretty good parents because, you know, obviously they're pretty educated and like they're both well-educated in like, psychology. So they pretty much know how to like work this shit. Mm-hmm. But, um, they do spend a lot of time with their kids outside of that. Like they don't expect the the fucking tablet to be the babysitter. They exactly. Ex- they don't anticipate like you know the TV is not a substitute for a babysitter. The TV is not a substitute for a parent. And that was what was was within John Denver's like testimony as well. Yeah, and and I think that anytime you want to take parenting out of your own hand and like into the the hands of of like fucking. John Denver's hands or uh, <laughs> D. Snyder. Snyder's hands or whatever, the Wasp crew, like, they're not the parents. Like, they are musicians. They are artists. They are there to do what they want to do. And, like, I feel like I grew up and I'm I'm all right. I'm, I'm pretty well adjusted. And I feel like the music that I grew up listening to, like, was, like, way more aggressive and, like, way more, like, yeah. violent. And, like, you know, you look at the 90s and, like, you have, like, fuck the police and all this stuff and you have dr dre stuff and like that was in the 90s and like even like fast forward to like today like dude i was just thinking like dude if death grips came out in the 80s like that shit would have like made people's heads blow up like a triple occult like, on that. <laughs> like one of death grips albums is literally the drummer's dick with the words no love deep web written on his dick and that's the album cover like bam there you go like there's no way that that shit like the album like literally now in record stores has to come in a black bag. You have to break the black bag open to get the album out. And I think that's <laughs> like the like John Denver again. John Denver nails it on the head. I think that's like where the PMRC they kind of created that beast because you see music after that like Ice T. Like he has a song called Parental Advisory. Like you know to be careful what you say or whatever. And like he just it's like the most vulgar song ever. You get Cop Killer. Like all these things. Like you just it just keeps like progressing more and more. Like Ice T deserves his own episode down the line, but yeah, one of these days. One of these days, yeah. He is a super interesting cat. Um, but you just like you're absolutely right. The '90s was way you know, more explicit than you know anything like in the '80s or whatever. And I feel like they created that because it's like even Eminem, like 15 years later, like in one of his songs, like he's takes calling, it up a notch. Like yeah, totally. He fucking kills his baby's mama like on a song or whatever, mm-hmm. and. I feel like they create that. And John Denver says in his testimony, he's just like, he goes, I'm not, I'm going to paraphrase the shit out of this because he said it very eloquently. Um, but he said, basically he goes, you know, subjects that get censored all of a sudden, you know, it becomes like that forbidden fruit and they become more desired. And, you know, you're going to amplify the situation. Whereas if you were, you know, just leave it alone, just let it be. Then, you know, it's sooner or later, it just becomes boring because it just becomes public knowledge. And I kind of feel like that's where we're at now, like, you know, like with hip hop and, and stuff like that, where it's just like some of the stuff that's like fucking cr- like that we hear today that's just like regular, just like radio music. What a fucking blue head like back in the 80s, like when you had groups like the PMRC. I have like that that cassette right here, Hell's Bells, which I like, you know, reference like a lot, like when we do these kind of episodes, because mm-hmm. it was like basically a whole fucking documentary, you know, explaining the evils of rock and roll. Like, like a lot of that was like big in the 80s. Again, this was during like the satanic panic where everything was satanic or whatever, yeah. where everything was the, was the forbidden fruit. So kids were fucking just wanting to buy this like forbidden fruit even more. You know, just to just to piss off their parents, you know, and I feel like now, like 
the parents that the kids of that generation are parents now, or some of them possibly grandparents, you know, yeah. like they're like, Hey, like my generation, we were listening to fucking sugar walls and shit. Like I got no place to fucking, you know, you know, you know, uh, get mad at you for WAP or whatever. Right. So where it's just like WAP, like, yeah, it's controversial for a week, but then like everybody kind of moves on or whatever, because it's just like, we lived this before. Yeah. And it's a catchy song. Yeah. Like to me, it's, it's like people getting upset over like nothing. Like you, if you go to a museum, you go to like the Getty Museum, which is like, by the way, it's a free museum. So if you're in the LA area, go check it out. Mm. But there's like paintings of like women's boobs in there. There's like dude statues of dudes' dicks out. Like, mm-hmm. like art is totally open for interpretation. Correct. And like, I do think that to become a well cultured individual, like you can't just have the most disposable holding hands and like. Um, Who's that one painter that I reference him a lot? The one dude that always paints like Americana paintings. Like, here's a people a picture of two people sharing ice cream at an old time barber shop or something like that. Norman Rockwell. Okay. Norman Rockwell. Like, it, to me, is like the most bullshit disposable like, like painter. Like, it's just basically like fucking motel art. Like, if you rent a motel or hotel, or whatever, and you get that piece of bullshit artwork on the wall. Mm-hmm. Like, if you want that, then that's a fucking scary future. Because the reality is, like, we're all individuals. Like, individuality should be something that we shouldn't be afraid of. Like, we shouldn't be afraid of, like, people. Like, it, it, I mean, I hate to, like, break it down to this, but, like, it, it people's, like, sexuality, like, scares other people. Like, if somebody is, like, a fucking RuPaul drag queen or whatever, like, you know that's scaring, like, Tipper Gore in the 80s. Like, you know, like, if some dude is, like, like, there's weirder shit now like people are just much more open about their about like their I mean, like you know we went from like there's like gay and straight and like now it's like you know mo- people like open up about like I'm like gender neutral or whatever like there's so many like sexual orientations now that I think make people uncomfortable it's not black white or gray like there's other shades in the rainbow yeah and like I think things like that make people uncomfortable and instead of actually dealing with it they're just like no, let's just make it like illegal or don't show it on TV or something like that. Like, <laughs> like, and that's where we're still like, we to fast forward to where we are right now as a society, like, we're still very much afraid of like the WAP. Like, Ben Shapiro was like, does his rant of like, this is why this is bad and why it's sending women back like so many years. And it's like, it's, it's stupid. It's a stupid argument. It's, it's, a, was written by two women who are like, killing in the music industry They're probably the top two rappers like like it or not like in the industry yeah. yeah and like the other thing is like we want to put like this like element of like we should have the record industry like first of all the record industry has like treated like musicians especially black musicians like shit for like the last like 70 years so like, mm. i don't want to hear that but like <laughs> but like we we say that like we should have like these like like checks and balances when it comes to like art and music and like all these things when in reality is like we pride ourselves on being like capitalists sometimes like sometimes we're like oh we're a capitalist society and if it's good then it's gonna become number one it's like WAP was number one because people like that shit the reality is like we don't put that kind of like argument to like fast food it's like fast food is so shitty it's killed probably more people than WAP will ever kill Mm. and like people still stuff their fades with McDonald's every like fucking weekend and like give themselves heart attacks at age like 40 or whatever yeah. because of McDonald's. But we put no filter on that. We're like 100, 100% okay with that shit. In fact, we created a Happy Meal that gives a toy to a kid to like bring kids in. Like it's fucking weird that we're okay with this, but like 
WAP is way scarier. Yeah. Um, and, and here's one thing too, like Frank Zappa, I remember you texting me, you were like, dude, Frank Zappa was such a badass. Yeah. Because like when I really looked at it like this from like both sides, like I kind of think like, oh, okay, you guys are kind of like misinterpreting both sides. You know, the PMRC, they just want labels on, you know, the music just so they have a guideline of it. I'm like, what's the harm of that? And then, you know, the other side of it is like, no, we will not be this. This leads down the road to censorship. And, you know, you get that quote from uh, Frank Zappa, like, well, where's this going to lead to putting a J because this is too Jewy or whatever, you know, on the record or whatever. And um, Frank Zappa brings up this point uh, right before he even goes into like his testimony. He's like, is this going to lead to any kind of legislation? And uh, one of the senators gets like really defensive. He's like, we'll be asking the questions. He's like, well, I need to know because I need to, you know, how I'm going to give my deposition here. Like, I need to know what route I need to take because I've modified it for two different paths here. And um, the the senator that like kind of like organized everything, he's like, no, like this is just like a general thing to get that out here in the public. This is something that, you know, you know, that's a hot topic right now. It's on a current affair. You know, like mm-hmm. we, we, you know, we just want to get it out there like in a, in a formal setting, like hear both sides of the, the, the case, if you will. Um, and then another senator pop, pipes up and goes, I, I want to introduce legislation because if the record industry, I say so, if the record <laughs> industry won't self-monitor themselves, then I want to introduce legislation. And then another senator, I got to concur with the, with the senator from Kentucky that if you guys can't, clean up your act like those are like verbatim what he says yeah then i want i want to adopt some legislation to force the hand and like frank zappa was just like oh okay so this is hardly a voluntary you know thing like you guys are kind of strong arming us and he goes into like this very like like <laughs> he like rips like the pmrc to shreds and he kind of like says like hey this is all just an act to get legislation be to be put through, um, you know, Congress and eventually signed by Reagan, you know, because at this time, this is like when the record industry starts to see it's like first blow with like cassette tapes, like blank cassette tapes, yeah, and like you know home recording devices. Yeah, so yeah, like yeah. this was like Napster before Napster, where like hey, like somebody can grab your Motley Crue re- um, record on cassette and then dub it onto a blank cassette and you don't have to pay for it. You're just paying for like that, you know, $1, you know, blank cassette as opposed to paying like the $12 at Sam Goody Records, you know, for that Motley Crue record. So what the um, the record industry were asking Congress to do is pass this uh, legislation called H.R. 2911, yeah. which was called like the blank tape, tape tax. Now it was very hush-hush at the time and actually one of the sponsors of the blank tape tax um, law was actually Al Gore. And so like uh, Frank Zappa was like, hey, like a few blowjobs here, you know, and you get some legislations, you know, to go through. And oh, yeah, we're going to distract you with this whole like occult and sugar walls and darling Nikki or whatever over here. While silently we're passing legislation over here to put a blank take ta- blank tape tax on, you know, blank tapes or whatever. I believe it was like one cent per minute or whatever on blank tapes. And then like on home recording devices, it was going to be like 10 extra dollars or whatever. Right. And then, um, Frank Zappa in like one of those Dateline interviews, he's like, and what was going to happen is, is if this legislation went through and passed and gets signed into law, all those taxes just go to the record industry, all those big wigs up there. And none of those, none of those taxes go to help any of these artists who are actually creating this music. It just goes to make the record industry that much richer. So he's like, maybe it isn't about censorship, but we're just, we're over here arguing about censorship, which it really never was about, but it's a distraction to, in order to pass this legislation to make the record industry that much richer. 
Yeah, yeah. No, I I agree. I mean, I've never been in favor of like the record industry. I think anytime an artist can go independent, they should go independent. Which Frank Zappa uh, was. Yeah, I think that that's always a, a big thing. Um, it's huge. Like to me, the record industry is like such an archaic thing now, especially with like the internet. Like mm-hmm. that's why like SoundCloud rappers have become so popular. Where it's like. I can just find a good rapper on SoundCloud now. Like I don't need the record industry to like wait to put them on MTV or put them on mm-hmm. the radio or whatever it may be to hit, hear the same fucking Red Hot Chili Peppers song on the radio like 25 billion times. Mm-hmm. I can make up my own mind kind of thing. Um, I'm kind of glad that I hope that the record industry eventually just crashes down and we don't have that monster anymore. Mm-hmm. But um but but I, I, I let, let me ask you this, not to get way too far off topic, but censorship has been in, in the news fairly recently. And I'm glad you I, brought that up. And I was just I was just watching this thing today with um, Ted Cruz. Basically, it was an interview. It was like a another Senate hearing actually, uh, <laughs> with uh, Ted Cruz and the uh, CEO of Twitter. And basically, they are basically saying Twitter is censoring. Uh, tweets that they don't like, that they've um, tampered with the election by censoring pro-conservative tweets. And like anytime that there was news on the Biden campaign and Hunter Biden, they would censor those out and keep them out of the loop. And and Twitter's opinion of this whole thing was, you know, we try to be as fair as possible. If we feel like there's news with facts behind it, we will put it out there. But if we feel like this is news with not a lot of facts behind it, we're going to try to censor it and now put it out there as, like, misinformation. And um, Ted Cruz was like, well, what about this? What about when Hunter Biden's, like, laptop got hacked and, like, you guys didn't want to post the contents of his laptop? And then basically go ahead and watch it. I don't want to make – I don't want to try to make people's opinions up for, like, what Mm -hmm. the Senate hearing was about. Um, But I do think that – and this is my opinion. I'll wait for your opinion because I'm sure we'll probably have similar opinions, but maybe not the same. But I do think that things like Twitter and Facebook and and Instagram, they're so like individualized. It's kind of like we're all sharing the freeway. <laughs> like we don't <laughs> we don't own Twitter. Like this is not someone's house. This is like someone's app that you're sharing. Like you know, like if you went into a restaurant, you know, if you showed up with your dick hanging out, you they have every right to kick you out. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's kind of how Twitter and, and they're not yeah, they're not violating the first amendment. I think a lot of people get the first amendment mixed up right there, you know, where it's just like, oh, "I have the freedom to do and say whatever I want." And I'm like, "Not really." I mean, read the actual first amendment and you'd be surprised. Like that's the reason why you can't go into a movie theater and yell fucking fire if there's no fire. Like, yeah. You get arrested I mean, for that. That's not protected by free speech. 100%, right. I mean, people Ted Cruz arguing why are you letting some tweets go through and not other tweets if i was like the ceo of twitter i mean he has his reasons i'm sure he he doesn't want to scare away all his conservative followers on twitter or whatever like everyone that's subscribed on twitter but i mean the reality is like who the fuck cares like this is my app like if you don't want to be on my app get the fuck off my app Mm -hmm. like who's who's telling you to be on my app i and i think it goes um i think it's guilt um, on, on like Facebook is guilty of this too, um, and Twitter and whatnot. After the 2016 election, you did see a lot of misinformation um, being put out there that 
you know, Democrats were holding, you know, people under pizza buildings, you know, you yeah. know extracting adrenochrome from children. And, you know, de- you know, all even the- during the COVID outbreak, I remember like um, our friend Mary, she posted this thing that was like it was like a someone took a picture of like this whiteboard and they were like, I just took the caption. What do we say? Like, I just took this picture from a from a clinic here. And it would say, like, COVID is not real. Go home. These are normal symptoms, blah, blah, blah. And I remember I, like, messaged her, and I was like, this is not a real post. Like, mm-hmm. you shouldn't be sharing these things. And I was like, oh, my bad. Like, <laughs> and, it, and I think it's guilt over that because 2016, you get the president, you know, in because of that, you know, and whether you believe Russia, you know, aided in that or not, I mean, that's your opinion. But, I mean, they did have something, a lot to do with it. It wasn't just Russia, but, you know, a lot of trolls and whatnot. I think that that's why you saw a lot of that action is because it's just like, oh, wow, like just by allowing all this to be on our platform, we're just as guilty as the people that put that on there. I mean, it all came to a head, you know, January 6th when, you know, all those like QAnon people like rushed in, you know, into the Capitol. People died, you know what I'm saying? Because there's blood on, you know, people's hands there. And being the largest corporation, you know, Google, facebook or whatever like you leave your like that that's on your platform there is some responsibility to bear there you know so i get it why they do do things like that because if you let like a forest fire if you let a little fire you know burn long enough it'll turn into a forest fire which we saw you know and it's just like that guilt and yeah are these companies you know liberal leaning yeah of course they are it's just like our like our like Facebook group that you guys should all be subscribed to or whatever and be <laughs> participating in or whatever. There's been some stuff that I've had to take out of there because I'm just like, get this shit out of here. This is either racist or you know it like it, it's 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 detrimental. It's attacking somebody personally. Like I'm I'm censoring people, but like I'm like get that shit out of here because that's that's not like what this place is about. Like this is about you know having fun and discussing ideas in a civil manner, not attacking somebody like straight up, like uh, somebody we used to work with Chuck, he fucking called someone the N word on there. I'm like, that does not fly with me. Get the fuck out of here. I banned him fucking did everything on there or whatever, you know, makes another account, sneaks back into the group. I'm like, fuck you, get the fuck out of here or whatever. You're violating my first amendment. Right. I'm not acting on behalf of the government. That's the, if the government was to do that, then yeah, but no, (laughs) this is like a private fucking group. But what I say goes, there's no constitution fucking right here. And so I think that's where people get it mixed up or whatever. And like the whole parlor thing too, where it's just like, you know, Apple, um, Google, uh, the Google store, like they shut that shit down too, because you know, that's where those thoughts were starting to marinate on is like parlor, you know, to attack the Capitol. And they're like, Hey, unless you guys start managing your fucking apps or whatever, like your app, like, you know, getting some kind of like control here, like we're not going to allow you to be on our platform because that that's blood on our hands. And so I get that. And I know corporations are the fucking devil or whatever, but sometimes corporations do good shit. You know what I'm saying? And, um, the other side of it too is, you know, to play fair, you know, it's been the, the theme of like, uh, you know, our Patreon episode we just did. And as well as this episode, trying to see it from both angles, you know, like I said, with the PMRC, as well as the rock musicians, when, when I hear people saying, you know, oh, censorship, 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 this is going to lead down a road to, you know, this, that, or another that we don't want to see. I think that's a, that's a very important dialogue to hear from the other side as well, because it's like, yeah, you're right. Like, I think, you know, Facebook and Twitter, they're justified, and YouTube, they're justified for doing what they're doing, but we need to make sure that, that they don't take that extra step. We got to make sure, like, hey, this is the line in the sand. We got to make sure they don't cross that line. So it is okay. Like, when I hear, like, conservative people saying, like, 
oh, this is censorship, this is censorship, this is Nazi Germany. We got to make sure we hold Google and uh, Twitter and all these other places accountable so that way they don't cross that line in the sand. Like we as a society are saying, this is the line, don't cross it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like that. So, I mean, one of the things, and I've said this on, on this podcast before, is like YouTube for the like I, I don't have if you want to if YouTube wants to create an algorithm where they're say like we're not gonna allow any conspiracy related things on our platform at all like if you're mm-hmm. pro moon landing or anti moon landing like either one sorry guys it's not gonna happen I'm cool with that that seems pretty uniform across the board like the word moon landing is not gonna make it on this platform <laughs> well, like that phrase is just not gonna work um, I get that I do think that. Sometimes, especially YouTube, YouTube I have an issue with sometimes. They have a lot of great programs on there, but um but sometimes they allow like the um the like here's why this is dumb and like here's why you're dumb if you believe in these it's, things. It's overloaded on one side. Yeah, it is extremely overloaded on it. And especially like doing research for this podcast, like a lot of times it's like you just want to like Google like for this one, I think what made it really interesting is that the Senate hearing was there and we got to see like Bring Zaplet, like that whole thing about it. it was really cool. Um, you can't really do that with 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 YouTube. Like we've talked about Sandy Hook being like one of the topics. One of the reasons I feel like we shouldn't like Sandy Hook has always been like gets pushed and pushed on the back burner is like some of the most compelling Sandy Hook arguments, and they were really good arguments, were found on YouTube because there was actual footage of like things that were wrong with Sandy Hook, and now it's all gone. Like now Sandy Hook is like gone. But if you still Google Sandy Hook, it's like here's why Sandy Hook people are stupid. Like, mm-hmm. here's why Alex Jones is a monster. And it's like, to me, it's like, okay, I get it. Just get rid of everything, Sandy Hook, then. Like, don't give me, like, why you're wrong if you believe this one thing. That's my one thing about, like, mm-hmm. censorship. I do think that it's, like, very one-sided. It is trying to always push people towards, like, this, like, liberal PC culture thing. Even though I'm a very, we're both very liberal people, mm-hmm. I still think... That there needs to just like you need to have some checks and balances here. And I'm just like, let's not like fucking demonize everybody on yeah. the li- on the right. Right. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? <laughs> um, but no, I I think and then just to you know bring it back to you know the whole PMRC versus you know the rock and roll industry. I do think a lot of good arguments happen on both sides. Like I said, like. You know, the rock musicians and the record industry in general, they were just saying like, hey, we don't want this to go down a road down of censorship. And I think it did, you know, make people more aware of like what the First Amendment actually covers. Again, like the FCC regulates the airwaves, you know, what is said like on Purple Rain, you know, you're not going to get, you know, the full darling Nikki on, you know, the FCC airwaves, on fucking, you know, classic rock radio or whatever, right? Like, it's going to have a bleep or whatever. Again, we grew up in, a, in an era of fucking gangster rap where it's like you have the clean version and you have, like, the album version, which is, like, the explicit version, right? And um, so, I mean, that I mean that's the compromise there. That's where you get that compromise where it's just like, hey, like, yeah, I shouldn't be, you know, going down the freeway or whatever, and I'm, you know, going through the radio stations or whatever, I would rather hear the edited version of fucking WAP, you know, with, you know, my, you know, toddler son next to me, as opposed to like the full on dirty fucking, you know, version or whatever. Right. Yeah. Like as my, as a parent, like I have that right. But at the same time, you know, being a, you know, a lover of music or whatever, I do feel that like that version 
should exist. Like the full explicit versions should exist in some scope because at the end of the day, that that is an artist, you know, expressing a fucking, you know, a sentiment, you know, Prince, again, one of the fucking best examples of a true artist that I can think of, probably the, the top tier, 1% of artists or whatever, right? 99% of his work is very sexual, you know, just because he grew up very sexually oppressed as a Jehovah Witness or whatever. And, you know, there's worse songs than Darling Nikki, like Cream and fucking, like all sorts of shit or whatever, right? But it's just like, I, I his First Amendment right isn't being violated because Purple Rain still exists in its its original format. You know, the album that has cream on it, that that fucking song exists in a skill in a in a in a space and time, like on its own volition, where it's like you have to pay to purchase that music, like on on either a digital platform or go into a record store and buy it. You know, that's where it's just like I feel like some of the artists were like a little bit too overcautious, kinda like what we were talking with, you know, like conservatives, like with the parlor thing, they're censoring us. Like, no, they never were going to censor, you know, what was on the album or whatever. It was going to live on in its original format. They were just asking for some kind of guidance. And they were taking cues, actually, from uh, the motion picture industry. Uh, the motion picture industry, before, like, you got, like, the G and the PG and the Rated R and Rated X and NC-17, which it is now today. You had something that was called, like, the Hayes Code, which was very much bordering on censorship, where, you know, somebody would come in and say like, hey, like you can't do this, you can't say this, like you got to take this out of the script because we got to. It was a very like super tight and conservative way of being, and because of that, because of the Hayes Code, um, a lot of American movies were just like not that sought after. They were yeah. very shitty. There was a very shitty time in like Hollywood movies because it was just like that artistry was not allowed to live, and you saw a very large spike in foreign films being very popular because they were unrestricted. And so the compromise was when the motion picture industry said, hey, like we're going to develop this voluntary, you know, rating system where, you know, film filmmakers are just going to, you know, submit their films just as they are. And we're just going to put, you know, hey, this is going to be a G rated movie or this is going to be a PG rated movie, uh, an R rated movie. The government has no intervention in this. And by the way, the Hayes Code, the, 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 he was the postmaster general under um, uh, Warren G. Harding. So the government during that time, they were violating the First Amendment Act before that. And like that was the compromise. It was just like, okay, it's going to be a voluntary system, which is going to be more broad. Just submit your Quentin Tarantino Kill Bill movie as is. Yeah. We'll put like an R label on it or whatever. And like Frank Zappa also, again, badass. He probably deserves his own topic, whatever. When that was presented to him, they're like, well, why would you be opposed to a rating system similar to, you know, what the PMRC is, you know, requesting? He goes, well, because when you go to the movies, you're seeing an actor pretend. Well, you know, when Leonardo DiCaprio, this wasn't that example he used, but this is an example I'm going to use. When you see Leonardo DiCaprio, um, you know, talking in, you know, a, a southern accent and using the N-word, that's not Leonardo DiCaprio saying that. That's fucking, you know, Calvin Candy saying that. You know, that's the character he's playing. He's pretending. However, when you put that O for a cult or violence on D. Snyder's fucking, you know, we're not going to take it or whatever, you're fucking tainting that that artist's image forever. Because what the the artists were afraid of at this time is if you start fucking putting that stuff on the album art, you know, chains are not going to carry it. Some record companies or record stores are saying like, hey, if you're going to put like a cult, you know, uh, that this that this album is the occult. This is a mom and pop shop. We're not going to allow that to be in our shop. And they were afraid that they, their music wasn't going to be sold like in those record stores. At the end of the day, 
all that ended up happening was Walmart was the only place that didn't sell like explicit music. Yeah. But like that was the the big fear. Like, oh, this is gonna fuck with my livelihood now. And like even with D Snyder, like you mentioned with like Under the Blade, like, you know, he was being accused of like sadomasochism and violence and whatnot. And like even some of his lyrics were being misinterpreted by Tipper Gore, like in one of her newsletters with the PMRC. And um she even like I don't I wanna say I don't wanna say she made up but like she misdescribed like one of the tour shirts that Twisted Sister had. Like I guess she described it as like a woman like bending over like, you know, spread eagle and goes, Twisted Sister has never had a shirt like that. I don't know where you're getting that from. And he goes, If you guys are misinterpreting my shit, how how am I to believe you guys are gonna accurately fucking, you know, rate, you know, other people's stuff if you can't even you know, and I'm pretty like PG rated, I guess you could say, and you're labeled me like fucking rated X. How am I know you're going to take the same care with other artists and shit? And I think that was a good thing, too. And I guess the compromise is that's why you just get like that explicit content sticker, like parental advisory with no actual rating, just because of like those points that were being made. Yeah. I mean, I I think that we talked about this uh, during like, I think it was a must have been during a Patreon episode. We talked about like the Columbine shooting mm-hmm. and like what made these kids do, or maybe it was when we had your dear on and we did, I don't know what. Anyways, <laughs> um, but like what made these kids do this? And like the the reality is like you know parents need to have responsibility. It's you can't just put a, a rating system on a movie and mm-hmm. think that kids aren't going to go see it. Kids are still going to go see the most violent movie. Like they're going to take their like fucking like uncle or whatever or like lazy dad they're just gonna be like i want to see this movie you're old enough you'll get it whatever and like they go see like this super violent movie like it happens like i've been to really violent movies and like there's like kids in the crowd for some reason Mm -hmm. you know like that happens pretty frequently um we can't like just expect a rating system to pop up and like all of a sudden that's that's like this helpful guideline like like i think there's like that meme that has like a cannibal corpse album cover on it and it says, if you ever feel u- useless, just remember they put a parental advisory sticker on this album cover. And it's like the <laughs> Cannibal Corpse one where it's like a dead body and it's like getting Eating like, out another. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that's the reality. Like, I, you know, as I was talking about like Death Grips earlier, I was like, like we have parental advisory. That that stick, that that album cover with like the drummer's dick on it where he just took a Sharpie and wrote No Love Deep Web on it. Like, that has a parental advisory sticker. Like, if you need a parental advisory sticker to think, like, I wonder if this album has bad words in it. Like, yeah, it does. Like, there's there's something, like, you, you kind of just have to, like... It's an oxymoron at that point. Yeah, it's just, like... <laughs> the the reality is, like, you, you can't, like... Yes, there's... I'm, there's cool. There's guidelines to, like, what, you know, is acceptable for parents and things like that. But even, like giving your kids phones like we're we're probably like the last generation like i didn't grow up with the phone my first phone happened when i was like starting at big show college and i had like a fucking nokia with the snake game on it yeah like that was like my first phone you have like fucking like seven year olds like fucking five year olds with like iphones now and it's like because they're part of their family plan and all this shit and it's like they have tiktok and all this bullshit just getting thrown at them i think being a parent now is probably harder than it was than it was when we were growing up but it's still like you have to have that fucking like, hey, like you ain't getting a phone until you're like old enough to like once you graduate high school, you can get a phone kind of thing. Like, and I think it's just like that laziness too. Like we always talk about too, like where people rely on memes for like their news and shit. And it, it, 
I, that's just lazy. That's a lazy way to get like your, your news or your information or whatever. Right. To reference like the storming of the Capitol again, where it's just like, oh, no, those weren't those weren't QAnon people. Those were actually that was actually Antifa. And like their their proofs were like these memes and shit. Yeah. And that's what I feel. I mean, to, to bounce back, you know, because I'm going to play fucking tennis here, like with, you know, the size of PMRC or whatever, like to bounce back, like to, you know, the artist side of the things or whatever, like. Yeah, like if you're fucking just like saying like, oh, that that al- that that album uh, is rated uh, G or whatever, like you can go ahead and listen to it. And like, uh, meanwhile, like there's a hidden, you know, fuck in there or something like that. Like that, you're that's just you being lazy right there as a parent. Like mm-hmm. you shouldn't rely on 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 a fucking on a rating system to do the parenting for you. But at the same time. I do think it is a useful tool, you know? So Yeah, yeah. I mean, the movie rating thing is a useful tool. Mm-hmm. The but, video I mean, game one, too. You know what I'm saying? Like, But they're just tools. Like, they're not substitutes for, like, exactly. parenting. They're not substitutes for, like, anything. Like, you know, just... I mean, my parents never, like, told me, like, you're not allowed to listen to anything. Like, I was listening to, like, Dr. Dre as a kid. Like, my, my parents never cared about anything that I was listening to. Like, it mm-hmm. was, like whatever like listen to whatever you want like you're smart enough to figure it out and i think because of that too that's why like to john denver's point like eventually that stuff became boring you know bone thugs and harmony like i remember my mom uh, remember when we used to have like blockbuster music yeah i remember i had birthday money and my mom was like yeah i guess just buy whatever you want in there and then like i'll pick you up you know when i'm done shopping at target and I remember, like, I got up to the counter and I, you know, presented Bone Thugs in Harmony, fucking East 99 Eternal, the, the fucking record with, like, uh, the first of the month and Crossroads on it and shit. And the guy was like, how old are you? And I was like, oh, I'm 12. And he's like, I can't sell this to you without your mom here or your dad here. And I was just like, okay, she'll be back. And I remember my mom, like, made this whole thing, like, what, what, why does it have that sticker on it? Like, why would it, you know, I was like, well, there's a song on there called the first of the month. Like, and she was, well, what is it about? And I was like sitting there right in front of like the cashier or whatever. Uh, well, they're really <laughs> happy about getting their welfare check on the first. <laughs> like, I remember just having like that conversation. She goes, well, I'm going to go home and I'm going to listen to that record when we get home or whatever, but go ahead and give them the $20 for the CD or whatever. My mom never listened to that CD with yeah. me. And I'm just in my room. Like it's the first of the month. Wake up, wake up, you know, but like, but at the same time, like my mom, like she let me play Mortal Kombat. And I remember her telling like other moms, like her saying in front of my face, like, I know he's not stupid enough to fucking rip somebody's head off like, you know, Sub-Zero. And at the same time, like it's in my head while I'm singing, it's the first of the month. I know he's not stupid enough to fucking rely on food stamps for the rest of his life and to party off of his welfare check. Yeah. Like, like I can hear like my mom, like as I'm like fucking saying it's the first of the month or whatever. Or, you know, listening to, like, 187 on a fucking cop. Like, I know, like, I can hear my mom in the background. Well, I know he's not stupid enough to fucking do a 187 on an undercover cop. So, it's just, like, it's, like, one of those things, too. Like, if you have a child, like, you know he's not stupid enough to do that. Like, you don't really have to monitor him. But there is those children that do need the monitoring. Because we do see, like, like Judas Priest. You know, there was that, um, they were on the Filthy 15 for, like, a very fucking, like, whatever song. Um... It was like it was like talking about like eat me alive or something like that, uh, but like a couple of years down the line, somebody actually commits suicide and they have Judas Police playing playing in the background, you know, as they commit suicide, and so they actually go on trial um, because they want to find them at fault for the murder or for the suicide of this kid, um, saying that there's like you know hidden lyrics in there that are like you know prompting teens to commit suicide, and they're like no, like that's not our bag at all, you know. 
And it's just like, well, maybe that kid, we were, I was talking about at the beginning of this episode, maybe he had problems with his parents, you know what I'm saying, that led him down that line. And like you said, with like Under the Blame, maybe he found something in a Judas Priest record that was talking about, you know, suicide that led him, that, that ultimately led him down that road. But Judas, because he listened to that Judas Priest song, it's not yeah. because he's, that's why he committed suicide. I mean, that's just, isn't that just typical, like, of, like, Americans and society in general to take, like, the laziest shortcut there? Like, Judas Priest, that's it. Mm. It's not, like, family or mental illness or whatever it may be. Like, all these millions of other options that could be or a combination of multiple things. We just want to blame it on the occult. We want to blame it on horror movies. We want to blame it on... Yeah, it's not my fault as a being a shitty parent. Yeah, it's just, like... It's it's so many things. You can't just blame it on one album or mm-hmm. like that album cover. <laughs> that <laughs> I still think it's funny that fucking Cannibal Corpse album cover. But it's like I bet you that Cannibal Corpse album cover never made anyone like get in a fight. No one saw that and go, yeah, that's that's gonna be me in a couple hours. <laughs> like <laughs> like yeah. it, it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. Like to me, it's if there is gonna be like censorship in music, it's like. Man, country music sucks. We need to do something about that. And here's the one thing, too, about this. I'm glad you mentioned country music, and I'm, I almost forgot about this to bring this up. With all of this said, like, you know, with the rating of, you know, music and, you know, album covers and the content of whatever, you know, it was pretty much an attack, like, on, you know, hip-hop, heavy metal, and pop music. But you know what genre of music was not touched by this? Country, country. music. And I believe it. And one podcast I was listening to, you know, when they were covering this topic, said, like, you listen to, like, a Hank Williams, you know, junior album or a fucking, you know, David Allen Coe where he's straight up saying the N-word. Like, he's saying some racist shit. They're talking about partying. They're part- talking about doing drugs and drinking, getting drunk. Let's get drunk and screw. That's a literally a Hank Williams song or whatever, right? That's just boys being boys. That's just boys being That's locker room talk. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but none of those albums really have any fucking parental advisory or any kind of, you know, rating on them at all it's just it's ozzy osbourne it's judas priest it's fucking you know nwa because he's wearing eyeliner (laughs) (laughs) that's not normal that's the occult (laughs) yeah so like that's one thing too i want to throw out there i was just like yeah that is a fucking horrible fucking example of fucking the double standard in music yeah yeah i mean parents be parents that's like all i'll say like Mm -hmm. obviously i do think that like technology like Dude, one thing I will say, like, I feel like I struggle with, like, being on my phone too much and seeing too much, like, weird shit, like, mm-hmm. just on fucking Facebook and, like, like, all, like it's just, it's weird. And, like, <laughs> I think that, and I'm in my fucking 30s now, so, like, I can only imagine, like, kids now, like, you could put fucking, like, child locks or whatever it, it may be, but still, like, I, I do think that this generation is going to be fucking weird once, once they grow up because, like, our generation, like, we had, like, Jerry Springer and, like, Beavis and Butthead and things like that. Like, that shit is super tamed. That's like a That's fucking... Disney compared to what's out there That now. is Disney. And, like, the fact that it's just accessing to, like... Like, being a parent is also having restrictions. Like, Yudira talked about how, like, like her parents would take the hinges off her doors. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I remember, like, I didn't have a lock on my door. Like, because, like, you know, like, I wasn't a straight-A student. Like, I was, I was a good kid, but I wasn't, like, you know, my sisters were, like, the A-plus students. I was a little more rebellious. So, like, my parents were a little stricter on me on, on certain things. Not about the music. They didn't give a fuck about that. But, like, you do have to, like, put your foot down and be a parent sometimes. And, like, it, it's, maybe it takes, 
getting the hinges off your door, or maybe it takes not giving your kid a phone until like they're like 15 years old. And is that that fair to the parent? No, but life isn't fair. You know, yeah. but you know what you were doing when you were busting that nut. So I mean, I mean, you gotta you gotta take that responsibility. You can't just throw that responsibility on the record industry or artists and whatnot, right? <laughs> That's why, like, I mean, I'm sitting here like as a fucking parent of like a, a one year old right now, right? His favorite thing is Blues Clues. I make sure that like we're sitting there, we're watching it. Blues Clues is innocent as shit. But like, if there's something on there that doesn't jive with me, it's my responsibility. <laughs> I would rather be watching fucking something else. Or doing something else, but hey, I'm there watching it with him, making sure that's cool. So far, so good. Blue's Clues is pretty copacetic or whatever, pretty right? Cool. They got that new guy. It's like an Indian guy. Uh, he's like Filipino. Oh, uh, Josh. Okay. I keep calling him Steve just because like that's that's my my dude with Steve. But I digress. But um, yeah. If you guys uh, want to hear the list of the filthy fifteen, uh, it's Prince's Darling Nikki, which is at the top of the list. Uh, Sheena Easton Sugar Walls, um, which was lit rated for sex. She's literally talking about her vagina getting moist. Uh, Judas Priest's Eat Me Alive, um, Sex and Violence, uh, Vanity Strap-On Robbie Baby. That's self-explanatory. Uh, Motley Crue Bastard, which was uh, rated for violence and language. Which Bastard, uh, here's an interesting note about Bastard by Motley Crue. Um, it's on the album Shout Out the Devil. Probably the least offensive um, song on the album. Um, it's actually about a rape revenge. This girl yeah. gets raped in the fucking song and the fucking dude gets his fucking, his justice by getting fucking, fucking killed or whatever, right? That's funny. So, I mean, <laughs> that is funny. Like, we got a problem with rapists being killed, right? Uh, ACDC's Let Me Put My Love Into You, Twisted Sisters, We're Not Gonna Take It, Madonna Dress You Up, which is like one of the most innocent <laughs> Madonna songs of that period. I thought it was funny that like when they asked Madonna what she thought about all this, she was like, well, I don't care. Like, whatever. It's free publicity. <laughs> like, yeah. And uh, Wasp, Animal, Fuck Like a Beast. Um, Def Leppard, High and Dry, Saturday Night for Drug and Alcohol Use. Merciful Fate, Into the Coven, Black Sabbath, Trashed, which is a Black Sabbath without Ozzy or Dio. It's Ian Gillum. Like, no one remembers that era of Black mm-hmm. Sabbath. Uh, but it's about, you know, doing drugs and alcohol. Uh, Mary Jane Girls, In My House, Venom, Possessed, and Cindy Lauper's She Bopped, which is about female masturbation. She Bopped. She Bopped. Well, those are pretty intense topics. Masturbating. <laughs> I like when uh, Frank Zappa, like, when they bring that up, like, they're like, sex, drugs, alcohol, and masturbation. And Frank Zappa's like, what's wrong with masturbation? Yeah. That's <laughs> weird. I mean, I guess it makes people uncomfortable, but it's like... That's like every kid in junior high is like masturbating. Like mm-hmm. you gotta wash those. That's that's another reason why washing hands is big now, because <laughs> <laughs> kids in junior high can't stop jerking it. Yeah. So with that said, Art, do you have anything else? No. Tell your mommy you boo with two. Uh, shout out. I don't know. Shout out uh, John Denver. Yeah, Keep risk- doing what you're doing. He's dead. He's dead? Yeah, he died in a plane crash. Oh, man. D. Schneider's the only one still alive with that crew. Yeah, Frank Zappa's dead, too. Yeah, man. Uh, D. Schneider, keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. Did we see Twisted Sister live? We never saw them, right? No, but I'm sure, like, once COVID's over, they'll be the first one to carry that fucking flag. Oh, yeah. With their two fucking hit songs and shit. We're we're the leader of the pack. (laughs) They did that song. They probably do. They do. That was their, like, second biggest hit. Oh, wow. I just got embarrassed for him. So, wow. with that said, guys, make sure you go to all the social medias at Art and Jacob Do America, except for Twitter. We are at Art and Jacob Do A One. Like Art said at the beginning of this episode, make sure you check out our Patreon for other 
bonus episodes that we do every week. Uh, so check that out. $1, $2, $3, $5, it don't matter. We'll send you out some extra swag the more you contribute. Um, make sure you go to our Tee Public store. Uh, just search Art and Jacob Do America, and you'll get some other designs. Uh, you know, we got the official Art and Jacob Do America logo. We got, you know, the, the speaking of uh, explicit content, the uh, the Zigzag Man logo up there, yeah. as well as um, the Ride the Lightning logo uh, that we have right here, designed by the great and powerful Nicole Smith Bosch. Check out her website at skrapparel.com. I'll put the link right here down in the YouTube. Um, we are official members of the Podbelly Network, uh, where you can check out other great podcasts. If you like our podcast, you'll love other podcasts on there, such as the Wolf of Sofa King podcast, uh, the RRBG podcast, uh, Nerds on Topic, Little Billy Horror Stories, um, Rest in Peace. Uh, we got one last episode, man. One last episode. Uh, so check that out for our sisters at the We're Not Sure Yet. That's going to suck when I can't shout them out anymore. Yeah, I know. This is the last episode. This is last week they're doing it. Yeah, so shout out to them. So with that said, Art, good night. Good night, everybody. Somebody approached our office that they want the Senate committee is having a hearing on censorship with the PMRC and wanted to know if I would come and speak. Now, my view of it when I heard it was they want me to carry the flag into battle. Hell yeah. Braveheart, baby. Braveheart wasn't even out, but that sort of mentality. Give me the fucking flag, man. Let's go. I knew that they were, like everybody else, grossly underestimating me. I knew that they viewed me as just another dunderheaded rocker, and they would bring me in, make me look like a fool, and I would help their cause. They did not know that I could construct a sentence and speak English fluently. And I'm there in my cut-off denim, my skin-tight jeans, my snakeskin boots, and a little bit of eye makeup left underneath, and my big hair. And I ain't getting dressed up for nobody. I'm a dirtbag, and I'm proud. And I play in these people like, you know, I mean, I've been, you know, mentally, I'm setting these guys up for the kill. I have got my speech in my back pocket, which I have worked on for a few weeks and honed and refined till it's a freaking nuclear weapon. Folded up like a gazillion times like a bad kid bringing his homework to school. You know, when I open it up and I'm flattening it out on the table, really delivered, and they're going, oh man, this guy, this is a lamb being brought to the slaughter. And I start reading. Since I seem to be the only person addressing this committee today who has been a direct target of accusations from the presumably responsible PMRC, I would like to use this occasion to speak on a more personal note and show just how unfair the whole concept of lyrical interpretation and judgment can be and how many times this can amount to little more than character assassination. And I am just tearing apart everything that they've accused me of, disproving without beyond a shadow of a doubt that everything they've accused me of has been wrong, false, and they are scrambling, scrambling, scrambling. They were saying that Under the Blade was about sadomasochism and bondage. It was about my guitar player's throat operation. It's not uh, really a, uh, a wild a leap of the imagination to jump to the conclusion that that's about something other than uh, surgery or hospitals, uh, neither of which are mentioned in the song. No, it's not a wild jump, and I think uh, I, what I said at one part was that songs allow a person to put their own imagination, experiences, and dreams into the lyrics. Uh, people can interpret it many ways. Uh, Ms. Gore was looking for sadomasochism and bondage, and she found it. Someone looking for surgical references would have found it as well. Yeah.
I said, you know, I can't help that Tipper Gore's got a dirty mind and, and Al Gore just, oh my God, you know, he really jumped over the table. They were saying, we're not gonna take it. We should be on the filthy 15 for violence. And it was no more violent than the Declaration of Independence. It's like this. The new gives a fuck about those. So just chill to the next episode.